This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sheila Shoiga, and this is Ready To Be Real Conversations, the podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life. Some names you'll recognise, others you might not, but my hope is that these conversations will at times inspire, challenge, educate, comfort, or simply entertain you. Life coach Mark Fennell is back on the pod. We do need to process what we're going through and why, like I said, how, how we feel and why we feel a certain way. You need to process that yeah. before we move. Like the first part of the book is all about getting the foundation right. And we talk about that, you know, your why and so forth and your mindset. We need to process the pain. Just don't set up camp there. But you do need to process it and then move. Mark is married to Fiona and has spent over 20 years helping people through his coaching business. His online following has grown massively over the past few years too and on Instagram he currently has 160,000 followers and is known for his video content. We spoke over two years ago and his episodes are still hugely popular with listeners. In this conversation he talks about his brand new book Breakthrough, Practical Steps for Moving from Stuck to Unstoppable. And I started by asking him about his videos on social media. You know what it is? It's it's the way I like to hear information. Just just you know, cut the fluff, get straight to the point, <laughs> tell me what I need to know. Yeah. So I kind of made videos that I would listen to, and that's I suppose it resonated with enough people, which is great news. So, um, but I love it though because it's practical. And you know what it is? When I'm you know putting together videos or content or whatever else, it makes me always stay in that headspace. Mm. So you know, the best way to learn something is teach it. So by making the videos, I'm learning it as well. You know that kind of way. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it comes from working with clients and experience. So you might hear a client, you know, going through stuff and you've helped them with whatever, and then they get a breakthrough. And then you're, 
that's a great reel and then you help make the reel and then it helps so many people and then I never forget then that point so it's it's a labour of love I really I love it yeah I mean I loved it when it wasn't big and I still love it so it's great so long may that continue yeah I enjoy it so you just slipped in the name of your book nice and subtly there and that's what you're all subconsciously, about subconsciously maybe yeah 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 I don't think you even realised you <laughs> said it yourself yeah so the name of your book is Breakthrough because that's what you do for people yeah help people get the breakthrough I mean look people say well is, is it it's nothing here's what I say people say well how do you help people get a breakthrough I said I just ask the right questions I think a lot of us have the answers within we just need to be asked the right questions mm. And obviously there's a little bit to it and sometimes we need tools and techniques and we need a plan and so forth. But a lot of the answers we have, and the book talks about this, is very much around listening to your gut instinct, listening to that little voice inside you and saying, because I opened the book with, how are you really? Because we always do this in Ireland, you know, or wherever, you know, how are you getting on? On ground, busy, great, blah, blah, and away we go. But when we ask ourselves, how are you really? And just take a moment and ask. And the reason I ask that question whenever I coach someone is because they will tell me how they are and I'll say, but how are you really most days or overall? Or if we looked at last six months, how are you doing emotionally? Where are you at? And then you'll get the real answer. And I've worked with people who have it all together, you know, a blessed life and they break down because they go, one girl, Chloe, her name in the book, but she said, I have everything. Yeah. I practice gratitude. I have a list of things to be grateful for. The kids are healthy. I'm healthy. Have a job, have all these things. And she said, I just feel something's missing. And she said, I feel bad for feeling something's missing when I when I technically have everything. And it turned out what she was missing was a sense of her own purpose, her sense of her own identity of something she could pursue. Mm. Because she said, right now I'm looking after the kids. But when the kids grow up, who am I? Yeah. What am I? Where am I going? And so a lot of us, sometimes we need to ask ourselves, how am I really doing? And am I happy? And if I'm in a job I hate now, well, you're going to despise it in five years time and it'll soul destroy you. So sometimes we have to stop and take stock. So um, helping people break through those things. I mean, you know. I'm actually just reminded of of some of the stuff we covered the last time you were here. Yeah. So it's obviously these kind of conversations are ones I love. Like this is, you know this about me anyway. This is right up my street. And I yeah. think, you know, having you back, it's just, it's just great because I, I always knew I wanted to talk to you again. So yeah. it's great to have you back and congrats on the book, by the way. I'm, Thank thrilled, you. I'm thrilled for you and I know it's going to help a lot of people. It's surreal, yeah. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, but I remember a question came in because I asked followers on Instagram to send, send in questions. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, to you. And one of them was somebody who was not happy in their job yeah. but was scared about change and they were, they specified their age. They said, they, I think they were in their 30s. And I remember your response to it was, this person is is operating from fear because they're thinking of their age. But you give that time, and they haven't made the move in their forties, in their fifties, and that. And when I remember when you said it, and you said, and that fear turns into regret. Yeah, that's the big thing. You see, there's a big, there's two fundamental pillars that I think we stand on one or both sometimes, and it's love and fear. And I think everything kind of comes from that. If we you now, I like to keep things simple, so that's how I always say love and fear. Sometimes people are, oh, what if I don't meet someone, or what if we don't have kids or but really what they're asking is they, they, they want something or and what if they don't have it and so forth but really what's fueling those questions is fear what if I don't and can't have that what if I don't and never am happy because for example um, I remember ourselves with our own story just to touch on it briefly but we, we were in a place and I remember asking myself what if I can never be happy again now that I've got being given this news and the fear was not about will I be happy but what if I'm not happy ever again and the fear of what way will I be if that's the scenario if what I don't if what I want I don't get how will I ever be happy and the fear that comes up in what if 
Mm. So fear sometimes fuels a lot of our questions. And so when we kind of go, I want this or I want that. But the bigger question is, well, if you don't get that, how's life going to be? And sometimes that fear is too much for us to take. But sometimes we need to look at that and realize, well, yeah, you might not get that thing. Can you still be happy? And I suppose that's where a lot of us get stuck because I don't like my job, but the fear of stepping out and trying to find the new one is so much greater. Oh, no, I'll stay where I am. And so that eventually in time can be return to regret. And then we think shoulda, woulda, coulda. You know, if you hate a job now in five years, it's going to be a lot worse. And I'm imagining that most people, if they're really miserable in their job and they make change, yeah. they probably don't regret it. Well, I've, I've yet to find someone that left the job they didn't like and regretted the move, yeah. <laughs> you know, because, yeah. you know, and again, going back to listening to ourselves, listen to that, I suppose, a little inner voice. We all have that good instinct. And, you know, it's right most of the time. And if we just start listening a little bit more and say, look, I'm not happy. Am I better off to take a job with a wage cut and be happy or stay where I am because of the wages and be unhappy? Well, look, we all know when push comes to shove, contentment is a thing that money can't buy. And mm. having a job that you're paid less for, but you're happy in is far greater serving you. You'll be a much happier individual. And I think most people around you will probably see the same. So you've got to make it up. And I know people say we're not in a pursuit of happiness. Happiness is a byproduct. I always say, look, we can't stay happy all the time. You know, it's not a constant state. But yeah. I find that contentment is something that can be there. You can be in a job, say, or a relationship or a marriage or whatever. And you can be in that and be, I suppose, not that every day is, you know, uh, should we say roses, chocolates and, play, you know, flowers, but you're content overall. Like the job that, you know, I don't like it 30% of the time, but 70% of the time, it's very rewarding. Mm. And I think that's what you have to lean into. Contentment and that inner peace of that you're in the right place at the right time. And that's the way we should really operate as opposed to, living in a, a state of fear of I won't make a move because I'm afraid if it doesn't work. So many people don't start businesses, don't pursue careers they want because what if it doesn't work and that is too much to bear? Oh, I'd be a failure or the worst case scenario. And I think fear holds so much of us back. We all know what fear is, but fear is debilitating in time, I think. Mm. The book as well, what I love about it is it's not, so there are so many books in the market, you know, business books on, on mm. achieving <clears throat> success, books about relationships and mm. having better personal relationships and all all that goes with it. But your book is an all-rounder. So yeah. whether you're somebody who's striving to succeed in business yeah. and that's the reason why you pick up your book or somebody who maybe is struggling with the relationships they have in their lives yeah. or whatever, they're going to be drawn to your book as well. So that's one of the reasons as well I love it is that it's all-encompassing. Yeah. Now this is the thing and the reason it is because so I've been coaching people like just over 20 years now but what I realised was regardless of the circumstance or the person or the individual, there was an actual pattern of how people got their breakthrough and it didn't really deviate much from it. So there was like this common approach, strategy, if you will, that I found with most people I was working with. And I started to piece this together. Oh man, over about, I'd say it was about 12, 13 years ago. I started to see this because I went through things in my own life and I started to see there's this like pattern that or, or step, step by step, if you call it, mm. And when you start to put the kind of the ducks in a row and the steps in order, you can actually, the person gets their breakthrough. So if they're trying to break through in a career or they're dealing with a friendship or they're dealing with a diagnosis or they're dealing with bad news or a divorce or whatever it might be. So whether they're mentally stuck, physically stuck, emotionally stuck, financially stuck, this, should we say, step-by-step -step toolbox became kind of common. And so that's why I said, I'm going to, that's what I want to put in the book. I mean, when, when, um, the publishers approached me and they said, we want you to write a book. I knew, I said, this is the book I want to kind of share because I've seen this. Always said, if I ever write a book, this is the, the blueprint I want to share with people. 
because we can all apply it to our lives. And I know that's a big statement. Say, well, this, how does this work for everyone? You will take elements of this, if not the whole thing, and apply it and it will work. And it's all a major part of it centered around identity, how yeah. we see ourselves and how who we see ourselves as. And why do we see ourselves that way? And that's a question, the last one we don't always ask. Why do we see ourselves that mm. way? Some people see, well, I see myself as I've, oh, I've always been second best or I'm not enough or those things. Why is that? Where does that come from? Yeah. And so what, I, what, I, what I've said to people before, I said, what if all the negative things that people said about you, all the negative circumstance that ever happened to you that affected your self-esteem, what if we deleted all of that and all you had were lessons that you've learned from it, like good stuff and positive stories. What if that was, you know, like the men in black where they have the thing, the zapper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, the what ne- if... Yeah, not nebulized. What would they what I can't remember what you call it. It's not sure, nebulized. Anyway, no. But they zap <laughs> the memory. And I said, what if we could do that with all of your negative thoughts that you've ever had about yourself and yeah. all the negative feedback or crit- critique or trolls, haters, whatever. All of the negative was gone. Who would you be and what would you do differently? I would say, how much is it? I want to buy it. All right? But you would, <laughs> right? Because you're like, this is what we want. Yeah. But the liberation when you apply that and even to heavy circumstances but when you when you start to think like that well who am I now you have a question of identity you see most of the problem people find themselves with an identity crisis is because they become someone they don't identify with you know and I like I run a program helping people with weight loss for example and it's all focused on mindset you know because when you look in the mirror and I know what it's like when I seen a photo of me years ago and I put on weight and I went that's not how I see myself I see myself as a 22 year old you know and that's not me um, or the way I looked when I was 22 but we see a picture of ourselves and we don't identify with it now it becomes something I don't identify with habits that are compounding that person now we have an identity now we're inner, inwardly unhappy Yeah. and when we hear the statement hurt people hurt people I always say that in an empathetic way it's, it's wrong what hurt people do to people because they're hurting but I always ask, but what if we could fix the people who do the hurting? And maybe it's to do with their how they see themselves. Mm. So yeah, deep I know. <laughs> no, it is. And everything is connected. 100%. I was actually listening to a podcast. Um, I was coming back from Kildare on Sunday. And there was a point that was made in the chat that I, th- I thought was really interesting. They were talking about success. Business people talking about that ingredient, that special thing yeah. that they had. Yeah. That connected them. And the guest basically said that the common factor with a lot of highly successful people, they said, was who they chose as their life partner. Yeah. That was the greatest. Yeah. That that had the greatest impact on their success. You know, show me your friends, show me your future. You've heard that quote before. Or show me the five closest people to you and you'll be an anomaly of built up of those five people's input into your life. Mm. So that's why you've got to be careful who's on your inner circle, you know. it's like meet the parents, you know, the inner circle. You know, you got to be <laughs> yeah. careful who you allow in your inner circle. Some people will celebrate you and some people will just merely tolerate you um, because they have to. You know, you got to be careful who you surround yourself with. But here's what I say, because the life partner is the most influential person in your life, but they influence something that's so precious to you. And that's your identity, and your self-esteem. Mm. And if they're a cheerleader and they're you know, nudging you on, well, it's amazing how far you'll go. But if they're the opposite, if they're hurting and they then project that onto you, they sadly, unfortunately, probably through no choice of their own, but they'll hold you now back too. Mm. And so you have that kind of stalemate scenario. And I've seen that because I used to do, I don't do it anymore, but I used to do a lot of relationship mediation back in the day. And you'd always see that one of the partners was hurting and that hurt was now shadowing both. And all of the, not all, but a lot of the unhealthy stuff that was in the relationship was because of that hurt. And it's only when you dealt with that and unboxed that hurt. Yeah. Now you saw the relationship started to kind of blossom. 
Yeah. You know? So you've got to, yeah, definitely the life partners you think. I wouldn't have wrote the book only for Fiona, you know, was my life partner. So mm. what I mean by that is um, because she's always very encouraging and so forth, you know, um, and she keeps me grounded as well. So. <laughs> and you've known each other since you were very young. Seven. Yeah. Yeah. We, 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 our parents were friends and then we, now I wasn't cool enough. There was certainly no relationship with seven, but, um, but yeah, so, so we, our parents would hang out and my parents were involved in a lot of volunteer stuff. So I'd be dropped off. I was the eldest, so no one to babysit me. So they'd leave me off with Fiona because she was responsible, you know, ahead of her year. So I'd get dropped off with her and we got to know each other. But I was like, I suppose she'd say, oh, like having a brother that was just always there, you know, it was kind of annoying at most times. So it wasn't until <laughs> later that I got cool enough, um, you know, till we actually became close friends and started hanging out. But we were, we, we were friends for our whole lives nearly. Um, and then we, latter half of teen years, we started to actually hang out. Like if I was going to, not, not to go into all the story, but if I was going No, I'm to, here for it. I love it. So if I was so going to a party, yeah. I'd be phoning her and going, I'll go if you're going. And okay. she'd say the same. Do you know what yeah. I kind of, We became that kind of, we were, we were really good friends before we became, you know, relationship. Yeah. Was that a strange and risky kind of a leap to make then? Somebody that you've known since you were a young kid. Oh, was it what? Yeah. yeah. And our parents are friends. Yeah. And all our friends are shared. You know, if this doesn't work, it's I going know. belly up. So yeah, 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 yeah. it was, uh, you know, but I, do you know what? I'm going to sound very, very sappy here now. But I remember going, thinking, imagine if she was with someone else and we couldn't have this relationship or friendship that we have. Mm. And I felt devastated. I was like, what's going on with me? You know, and I got to a place of fairly fast. I said, well, if, if I'm going all in here, if she's not interested, that's OK. But at least I've tried because I would regret if I didn't. And um, yeah, which I'm, I'm still chasing her to this day, to be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> but eventually, anyway, so I was I just couldn't see my life without her. And I yeah. said, what does that tell you? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It yeah. was quite deep for a young fella. But, you know, I was like, I can't see my life. Like if, if she's gone and moves off with somebody or whatever else, that's fine. But oh, no, that wouldn't be. So when did you start dating? 18. Yeah. yeah brilliant. 18, 19. Uh, so you've really grown together. Yeah. Engaged when I was 21. I mean, who does that? I had plans on traveling the world and, you know, doing all the things people do. Um, well, when it's right, it's right. But there you go. I was like, yeah, yeah we'll do it together. So 21, we got engaged and mar married then a few years later. Well, yeah. a year later, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Together a long time. Because I know <laughs> the first time we sat down to speak, you spoke about, um, you really opened up about your struggles in the past with anxiety and yeah. what led you to really have your own breakthrough effectively. Massively, yeah. Yeah, even though you were doing your life coaching work at the time, but yeah. it was a huge, whoa, wait a second, I need to take stock here. And things changed for the better than after that point. And then, I and I do remember I said it at the time, which I think the same for anyone, whether you're a therapist or a life coach or you're somebody dealing with the person in front of you, it's not always a given that you have to, but I do think if you've been through your own struggles, gives you a level of, of compassion and empathy Massive. for the person in front of you. Yeah. You get it. You, yeah. you When you know what it's like to have your tough days. Uh, but you also touched on something and I'm not asking you to go into big detail, but you did touch on the fact that I suppose in the relationship with Fiona, you're, you're a great partnership uh, but you have had your own issues, your massive, own ups yeah. and downs. Yeah, yeah, massively. I mean, you know, I suppose when I first started to coaching, because I came from a kind of, I was volunteering, helping people and so forth. And I'd seen just so many different perspectives, people from different backgrounds. So I had this new open awareness of, you know, your perspective is one, but it's one of many. Mm. And your background is not the same as everyone. And then I went through with the anxiety, which was basically a breakdown, complete breakdown. And had to rebuild me, myself psychologically, emotionally and so forth. So that gave me a huge understanding for that. Um, 
but the, the the big challenge really came was when we were trying for children and we just presumed yeah we just presumed we'll have kids that's what you get married a few years later you have kids and that was the plan and then we were trying for over a year year and a half and then we said this is we thought you know we'd be pregnant by now never did went to the doctor um and they said oh well that we we would deem that as uh, infertility issues so to speak at that point and this is a good few years ago but so we went through that and then yeah we went through the long road a long long road um of you know exploring all sorts of things um and options and so forth and sadly we got to a place of after so many attempts and tries and all sorts of things anyway we, we eventually got to a place where we were told and i have that in the book actually it's the hardest bit to write in the book being honest because you're writing for two you nearly but yeah. when the doctor said um the doctor said i'm sorry but there's nothing more on this road to pursue and that's it mm. you know um babies naturally and so forth and with you know all medical that's out there there's nothing we can do so and i remember hanging like hang up the phone on that and i remember thinking now what we can't have what we wanted like it's told you just can't it's not there and i remember thinking at that point in my life how will i ever be happy again i remember thinking will i ever have that enthusiasm for life again will i ever be the person i was because this is something we had was a heart's desire and you know a baby is a big desire and it's a bit children are a blessing and so i remember saying like will i ever be able to be happy again and it was at that kind of moment sitting with that question i said that's fear now because i'd been through the anxiety previous mm. i said that's fear because i so i recognized that voice of fear which is not a nice but of what if i'm never happy again is what i'm fearing right now and that's how i put compound i said well what can i do and the the hardest part was you're not just because when you ask yourself will i ever be happy again you can imagine the mental and emotional state you're in at that point you're at a low place yeah. and then you have to think but then fiona's feeling the same way and then there was and what if i'm the fault that we can't have kids what if she wants a child and it's my fault she can't have it you know that it's medically something wrong with me we never actually found out if it was either or whatever we never actually not that we didn't they, they never gave us that yeah, they just yeah. said it's unexplained we don't know and um, so you had that to kind of bear that my body's let me down from what I want but it's also let someone else down who you love more than anyone else on the planet and you're thinking you've got to carry that and then you've got the will I ever be happy again it's a dark time you know you can imagine it's difficult mm -hmm. um, yeah. but then we started to move and people can say oh just be positive you know and well, that's one of the most destructive things to say to somebody it when they're in a low moment. It's not I think. what people want to hear. No, it's it's wrong. It's actually yeah. really damaging. Yeah. To tell someone it's to like be telling an alcoholic, just don't drink. Yeah. Or someone who overeats, just don't eat much. You know, it's there's a lot more going on there. Of course. You know, that that is kind of like it kind of um has disregard for how they're actually feeling. Absolutely. And it, I think it's kind of a lack of empathy because you're not actually understanding where they're at. They don't want to hear that right now. They know that. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But where they're at, it's not where they're at. So for me, um, so I remember that moment, that was tough. And then we had to have, you know, the conversation and so forth, like what next and so forth. And we were very, because we're together so long, we're very good communicators with, mm. with, 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 e with each other, I suppose. And so we had, that was fortunate. So we, we talked about what happens next. And so there's a period of time because when you can't have a child, it's like a grief because there's a sense of loss. You know, because of something that, it's not that you've lost, but you've course, lost so. opportunity, lost yeah. what you really wanted yeah. and so there is that you go through those you know the, the stages of grief almost but here was the thing and I remember just saying um, 
I said, Fiona, you know, before we had that news, if we rewound two years ago or a year ago, just before we had that news, or even when we were on our fertility journey, which lasted for a long time. And it's, and it's, a, it's, it's hard on both, but it's very hard on the woman because she's the one with needles and injections and all that has to go through all that. But I remember going, when, if we rewound before we were given that information, I said, we were happy, you know? Mm. And we were happy because we had a thing called hope. And then I brought back this book that you've probably heard many times, Man's Search for Meaning, Viktor Frankl. Yeah. Between what happens to us and our reaction, there's a space called choice. And we get to choose how we react. And I said, you know what? We had that hope. And I said, now we just have to have that hope that we'll be happy and fulfilled in life, even though we may not have this opportunity. Mm. And we had that conversation. Um, obviously, it was a lot more upsetting as well, but we had that conversation. And now we had like, we don't know how we're going to get there. We don't know the steps to take. There's no books at this point written. And this is why a big part why I wanted to write this book because no one talks about when the news is final. When you don't, it's the Olympian who doesn't get gold. You know, no one talks then when it's the end of their career. I've worked with athletes who've had to retire in their 30s because they had an amazing, um, you know, incredible uh, uh, career. But then they go, now what? I've more years ahead of me than behind me. And for us, we were the same. We said, but now I at least knew we just want to get back to content in life. We'll have to obviously process what we've gone through and going through and we'll have to make peace with that. But at least we can head towards that. We won't let it make us bitter. Um, and that's probably kind of vague, but that's all we kind of could put together. That's what we're going to head for. Let's do everything we can. So basically control what you can control and make peace with what you can't. Mm -hmm. And that's where we started on our journey. And that point, what I was unexpectedly could not believe is that you can you can get back to a life i i'm aware i don't we don't have kids right as you know but you can have a fulfilled content peace life without having the thing you desired most in the world and that's really hard for me logically to make sense of but it does and we need to break through to that hence the name of the book but so that's where we found ourselves and that's why when i share the book because the book is filled with stories of Lots of different circumstances, mm. whether it be relationship issues, friendship issues, career, narcissist, frenemies, enemies, diagnosis, you know, and the book, the chapter our story appears in is the part called physically stuck when your body lets you down and you can't control it. Mm. It's like the person who's, you know, loses a limb or loses, you know, can you still go on? I read this story about um, a gentleman, I can't remember his name now, he's a motivational speaker now, but he was born with no arms and no legs. And he shared a story about how the depression he went through, but then he had this kind of breakthrough. And is that Nick? What's his name? Nick. Yes, yeah. he's in the book. Uh, I, 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 I know. I introduced him on. He was speaking at Pendulum a few years ago. I just can't amazing. say. Amazing. Yeah, surname. that's him. He's an amazing guy, isn't he? So he went through an incredibly dark and difficult time. That's yes, right. And then he came out the other side. And it's just like that. Sometimes there's things you can. I mean, he can't grow an arm. I couldn't mm. make children. You know. But can you have a fulfilled and happy life? irrespective of the thing you want that you cannot have and the answer is you absolutely can and so the message of the book if I was want to put a very simple message is it's a message of hope no matter how dark even when you don't know your next step mm. don't worry don't worry you'll figure out a step but the last thing you want to do is give up on you or become bitter and sometimes this is what was what was interesting Sheila I think it's worth mentioning people then wouldn't invite us to christenings and because they thought they were being sensitive to our situation right. and that can be true for a lot of people but that's not all people because they might thought, oh, I don't, you know, in case they come and they feel sad or, you know, I could see kind of where they're coming from. But the thing is, 
we love children now so much mm. and that's and I'm like you get to be the cool auntie and uncle you get to be like our best friends made us godparents over their children like that was that was like amazing you know um, yeah. my point is sometimes life will then start to you know life can throw you some curveballs and things you don't expect but life can also throw you some you know some good news too and, and it's the hope that you lean into those things as opposed to the things that would bring you down a different road mm. and so going back to my point was how we think and how we see ourselves ultimately defines how we feel our decisions our actions and who we become and so yeah that was that was kind of how we got there eventually it took time obviously but yeah but yeah you do get there that's the goodness do you know what it is as well yeah i think we have to understand there's this um well, what i've seen from people who've come to me with for coaching and so forth people are called like oh you're too sensitive or you need to build a bridge and get over it or just move on. And a person may not be as strong as you, hmm. but their their feelings are valid. It doesn't uh, invalidate their feelings. And I think a lot of the time is, this is what I'm going to say is, we do need to process what we're going through and why, like I said, how, how we feel and why we feel a certain way. You need to process that yeah. before we move. Like the first part of the book is all about getting the foundation right. And we talk about that, you know, your why and so forth and your mindset. We need to process the pain. Just don't set up camp there, but you do need to process it and then move. Mm. And a lot of the time, through no fault of people's own, they don't realize that just because you wouldn't struggle with that or you can't relate to that, their feelings are still valid. I see that a lot in the workplace. They go, oh, they're too soft. They're not able. They're not able. No, they just have more probably emotional intelligence than you are and they feel the room unlike you do. You know, So you see it in all sorts of sectors. But I yeah. think we need to, and I'm going to say in general, people... We need to, just because someone disagrees with us, doesn't mean their feelings are not valid. Yeah. And if we start having a little more understanding, it's amazing how encouraging one can be. Mm. Because I find people just sometimes need encouragement. Like you said with the life partner. Yeah. Sometimes you just need someone that says, I'm not in what you're in, but I'll stand with you in it. And that's the one thing I was so grateful for when we were going through it. We were going through it together. But we were standing with each other and you could talk to someone. I think sometimes talking is therapy yeah. and we just need someone that we can, a soundboard, you know, even just listen. But the fact that they actually listen empathetically and listen can bring so much resolve. And the reason I'm saying that is because yeah. a lot of men, and I, I don't mean to generalize, but men don't talk about how they feel. And this is why I'm talking about my story because I'm, it's, it's okay to talk about your story. It's okay if something upsets you. It's okay to cry. You know what I mean? You're better because that's you processing rather than holding it in where you get bitter. Yeah. And that's so, where if you hold it in, it's going to get eat, to eat up yeah. and be toxic and it, come out in other ways. It will come out in other ways and it can come out with you see someone doing well and all of a sudden you don't like they're doing well yeah. because it reminds you of you know your shortcomings and stuff mm. and that's when you know you're getting bitter as I said the old quote is like get get better not bitter you mm. know And but there's truth to it because you could like not being say for example when people had kids I know people who've gone through same similar circumstances and they would get very upset when they'd hear a sibling had a child now my you know, sisters who were younger all have kids um, and they would get upset at that you know and I always think well sit with that process that and maybe mm. with a professional do it but process that that's okay it's no shortcoming but don't just accept and let that fester because it can fester really easy. As I say, don't set up camp there. And that's when people can become sadly bitter irrespective of what they don't deserve to go what they're going through. But don't let bitterness rise up because bitterness will only grow. It's like poison ivy. Yeah. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. 
Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. While we're here, actually, because, again, I think it's it's a big one. And I know it's no, it's, I'm, I'm saying this because I know a friend of mine is allergic to the word, but the word is triggering. Triggering, yeah. Or being yeah. triggered it's by something. It's a buzzword right now. <laughs> yeah, it yeah, is. And years. she absolutely cannot stand it. I understand why. But sometimes it's, it's the only word well, you can people use. People use it against you. Oh, you're just being triggered. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's You don't want to hear that. No, you definitely don't <laughs> want to hear that. And I think particularly over the last few months, um, whether people are engaged with content of what's happening in, in the Middle East or not, mm. I think a lot of us, even just through osmosis, we're feeling it. It's a heavy time. I certainly have had moments where I felt like I'm breaking down because yeah. of what I witnessed. And I do find that I'm drawn to certain people and what they're putting out. And I'm I'm not, I'm not, I don't really unfollow people, but I'm not as engaged in other accounts that I might have been. Yeah. I suppose the reason I'm talking about this now is I think it's a really good reminder for all of us because I've had very interesting conversations with lots of different people sure. uh, about people they are being irritated by in this time are not. But I think the conversation around the being triggered is an important one because sometimes we all need to hear it, myself included, that if there is something, a situation or a person you know, getting on your nerves, winding you up, doing something to you that you can't quite put your finger on rather than pointing the finger at the person or the situation. Yeah. It's really an opportunity as hard as it is. And I know it's hard because I've done it to sit with it and go, why is that annoying? me?" Use it like a mirror. Why is that? What is that thing? doing to me? Yeah. yeah you What's know, going on in me? Before trigger, we used to say, you know, stimulus, you know, the psychological term. What was the stimulus? You know, okay. that pushed you. Um, and, and I think that's sometimes a reflection of us, mm. you know. Now, some people will just grate you, you know, <laughs> for whatever reason. Yeah. But a lot of the time, if we've got this issue or whatever, yeah, use it like a mirror. Why is that? People get it. I tell you where I see them a lot in business with com- people with competitors. And okay. I'm saying your competitors, you need your competitors because if it weren't for them, you wouldn't try as hard. So I said yeah. your competitors is your greatest market research. So I said, I want you to look at what they're doing. Forget you have a business. Look at what they're doing. You know, t- take the meat, leave the bones, you know, uh, adapt, not necessarily adopt. And then and then you apply it to yours. Because if, if you're getting, oh, they're doing well there, that distracts us then from our game. You know yourself. I mean, that's how you hustle someone, you know, when it comes to sport. 
you know, they, they just plant a little seed in before the match or before the game and then they're thrown off. Like, yeah. And so when I say that is if you're you're hustling yourself off your game plan, you know, mm. when you start to watch competitors and get anger or bitter or whatever else, but competition is needed. It raises the bar for everybody. But instead kind of go, here, here's an interesting point. So I had a, new, um, a client I worked with and um, they have a very successful business like, uh, but they were really had, they spent more time watching competitors, what okay. they were up to, what they were doing, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, when do you not watch your competitors? Oh, when we're flying it and when we're killing it. I said, so you only watch competitors when you don't feel you're flying it. I said, but that's because you don't think you're flying it, but really you are. But what if you got your head in your your game, in your lane, and said, whatever I see competitors do, we're going to do and do better. But don't hate them for it. Be glad because they're giving you a gift of information that you may may not have had otherwise. And so he changed his mindset to when he would watch his competitors and so forth, that it was only after he did something positive in his own business. Right. So the rule was this. I said, first thing in the morning, you're going to do something for your business before you look at anyone else. Right. Now, the reason I was doing that, he didn't know this, but the reason I was doing that was to get into what's called a flow state, peak mm. performance. Mm. It's where you're mentally, emotionally and psychologically in the game. Right. And it's all parts of the brain lineup. And so I said, you're going to do something for your business every morning. And then you can do what you want watching who you want on Instagram or Facebook otherwise, right? And he would do that. And he started to stop watching the competitors as much. And he started to get more into his game. And then he didn't see the competitors as a negative thing because he said, I'm doing all I can do in my business. He became focused. When you are watching others comparing, comparison is a thief of joy. If you want to put yourself down, go compare yourself. Mm. <laughs> You'll always end up down. And so that's what he did. And it changed his mindset because he was setting his mind on what he was doing as opposed to setting his mind on what they're doing something you cannot control and it's just yeah. going to make you look bad or feel bad. And that's a game changer. But we do that not just in business, we do that in life with siblings, with friends. And then we end up not liking someone because we deem them doing better than us. But if we spend more of our energy, I know it sounds simple, but more of our energy focusing on, again, going back to who we are, what we are doing and what we're about, we then don't, we don't get bothered by people doing well because yeah. we feel we're doing well too. Yes. It's such a, a, a thief, a joy robber. Um, when you compare yourself and I think that happens a lot of us so it can mm. easily happen in and it's important to catch yourself isn't it when you're doing it because I I'm better at that there was somebody else who will remain nameless <laughs> that used to same thing I used to I used to get a bit of the green eyed monster not proud of it not proud of it at all and now I when I see them I actually it's not that I feel neutral I actually feel positive towards the person yeah. um, I had to get to neutrality before I got to positive yeah it, well it's dialing back the dial yeah so I went from to nothing to actually they're deadly isn't it mad yeah and it was a lot of work and I don't mean a lot of work by sitting down deep meditation for hours and hours but no. just catching myself asking myself why is that what's going on with you oh wait a second that's you know, and it's all again, as you've spoken about and you do so brilliantly, it all comes back to fear. It does. It's my own. Ah, what um, am I not doing? Exactly. But if we do this right. So we all look the prefrontal cortex, the limbic system and so forth. You know, the emotional part of the brain, there's the analytical part of the brain and there's the reticular activation system, which is like your it processes the information, the stimulus. What is this good? Is it bad? You know, my point is our mindset is very controlled by how we feel. When we're feeling in a good place, we get more productive. You know, when we're not so much stressed, we get, we're just happier and more content. By going on, say, you use the Instagram. We all do it. We go online and we see someone doing well, but we're not feeling too good about our own lives. We now feel 10 times worse because we now have, oh, look, everyone's winning at life except us. 
And what I used to see when we were trying for kids and people, everyone's getting, like COVID especially, you know, this obviously years before, but even in COVID, I saw it was very um, triggering for a lot of people when they'd see everyone's having babies, but they couldn't, right, for example. So now that wasn't us, but I could see clients and so forth. They were finding it really difficult. COVID babies, as people were saying, all sorts of things. Yeah. But my point was, which is a horrible thing to say, really, isn't it? COVID babies, you think about it, it's like it's, it's, I know, it's not I a know. good thing, but it was came this kind of buzzword. It did, yeah. But my point was, is that when we are fo- when we focus on those other people or other things first thing it sets in play how we feel and most likely for the day right but if we make a conscious effort to say I am not looking up I'm going to ask what can I do for me right now that's going to serve me well and I can't do anything else till I do that first now you get yourself into a state and what you're doing is you're taking control you're getting yourself into an emotional state that serves you now if you go online it's not going to affect you half as much if at all, because you have set, literally mind set, set your mind. And your limbic system and your prefrontal cortex is now in tune in a certain way. If you get your prefrontal cortex, your limbic system, and, and, and all in line, it's called peak performance. But you cannot get in peak performance if I'm constantly watching everyone else. So would you have generic guidelines for people to follow when they wake up in the morning? Ideally, what would they do? Yes. As in, because a lot of us, and I'm guilty of it myself, I would pick up the phone and I would have a quick, we, we all, quick well, scroll. I, I don't, right? But a lot of people would do it, right? And I, there was a time I would have done it, but no, yeah, I absolutely do. So you actively don't now because you know that it can set you on a path for the day that yeah, is not so ideal. Listen, okay. oh yeah. because And this was not by choice. This was... I had to figure this out because, you know, when you're struggling through things that we've got, like whether it be anxiety, I learned this when I was struggling with anxiety all those years ago. I learned first thing in the morning is a real game changer. So what I do is I always say, and if you ask yourself this question and just say, what do I want to do today that I'd be delighted if I got done? Mm. Something small. Don't go big. Just go small. Right. What would the thing? And I'd always say, I'd love to get this done or I'd love to get that done or whatever. What would it be? So what do I want to do today? I, I literally wake up with that subconscious voice. What do I want to do today? Literally, literally every morning. I know that sounds mad, but every morning I'll go, what do I want to do today? That will make me feel, you know, a little bit of happy. A little it bit doesn't of sound mad. Good. It sounds like it makes a lot of sense but because I, I think a lot of us, yeah, procrastinate and leave that thing that we had, you know, had to do. Like in the last few weeks for me, it was a VAT return. I knew it was on the way. I knew I had to do it, but I kept putting it off. Yeah. So then I had to burn the midnight oil to get it done in time. Yeah. So this is the thing, right? And then it's last minute, you know, dot com. But so I say that every morning, right? But there's a thing I do with people and I had to do this as well. And this is more when I was struggling with the anxiety thing. Um, and what I did was I said three words that describes my best self, right? It just sounds kind of like, what's this, Mark? Well, here's the thing. What's your three words? When you're in your flow state, like when Sheila is killing it, <laughs> right? And like she is on it, right? And world domination is in your <laughs> sights, right? What are the three words that describe you at your best self? Not You don't have to answer, but we'll ask you, what are the three words that describe your best self, right? Right. And so what makes you those three words? Like what's going through your head? What are you thinking, right? Yeah. And you probably have this image, not so much words, but image of that's me. That's how it feels. Mm. Now put that feeling into words. What are the three descriptive words? So someone might say happy, calm, focused, or, you know, uh, f- fun, relaxed, um, confident, huh? Fierce. Fierce, right? <laughs> Whatever the word, right? So when I you don't say, feel fierce most of the time, but there but, we are. But this is the thing. And it's not that you have to feel it that way in that state. But if you tune your mindset into how do I feel? So if you wake up doing this and say, you know, when was I killing it last and flying it, right? It could be a week ago, two weeks, who knows? Right. It's three words that describe me. And you really get yourself into that mindset. And now ask yourself, what do I need to do today? 
Mm, yeah. You are so focused. I need to take you the shoes even... off, the socks off, stand on the grass, ground myself, feel calm. It's funny. It's amazing stuff that's come to mind now for me as you're speaking. But it works. So this is happening for people listening to this podcast right now. What do we need to do to make ourselves feel at our best? That's peak performance. That's cool, isn't it? This is what we do like in sport, right? Now, I, 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 I've worked with athletes and different things over the years. Um, all sorts of people. Um, but... It's the same thing you'll see a sports psychologist do. It's they get them in peak performance state. That's why they they go for training camp. No phones, no distractions, nothing that's going to set you off. No comparing to the competition. No looking at the news or the papers about the upcoming fight or match or whatever. You're focused all in on what you're doing. Yeah. You know, and that is how you set your mindset. And peak performance, you feel it. And if you can get to a place where you can now trigger that and feel that, it's a game changer for any human being. You know, that's not down on IQ or anything that is just down to can you remember when you were killing it now what was it use three words to describe it how were you feeling what were you thinking what did you do now go do it can there be an element of fake it till you make it yeah 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 when I was struggling with anxiety it was a breakdown they wanted to put me on medication and I didn't and go go away for a while I said I can't you know and the only thing that gave me like relief was the fact that I held on to hope I know that sounds people say how do you hold on to hope in a dark time I just said I'll get through this someday and I had a little motto I used to say I can I will and I must Mm -hmm. and all I need is evidence to prove that I can and I remember thinking that and how I came about short story because I was riddled with anxiety lost two stone in weight was brutal I've talked about it before so I won't go over the, the other episode but I was holding my nephew newly born on my chest he fell asleep and they're like, oh, if he's asleep, just leave him. Right. And I held my nephew. And um, just remind me of something now. But anyway, because um, he was at my um, he was at my book launch last night. Oh, was he? And he calls me aside. He's nine. Right. And he calls yeah. me aside and he says, um, um, he says, I just want to say I love you and I'm very proud of you. Oh. And I bought he bought a book with his pocket money. I mean, come on. Oh, I was <laughs> I would have given him a free one. <laughs> anyway. So anyway, my nephew's on my oh, chest. That's... And I'm holding them there, right? And so just lovely. just connected the dots. Yeah. And for an hour and a half, I was like, all like, you know, not, not used to holding children. I was like, oh, you know, I get real nervous holding children. And I stood, but I was so calm for that hour and a half. And I realized after that, that was, that was a break I had in anxiety like that, so to speak. Mm. And the long and the short of it, I realized that's the, like, you can, even if it's just an hour. Now it doesn't make, try to get to two hours, try to get to three hours and so forth. And so my point was, that was where I proved I can do this. I will do this because I'm not going to give up. And I must do this because I rather me, should I say, if I don't do this, the life is not the life I want for me. As in anxiety, social recluse, all those things. It'll affect everything in my life and it affects my family. I must get through. So like, I can, I will, I must became a real mandate. It's a mantra. It's in the book. Yeah. yeah. But, but have a mantra and feel it. Mm, mm. Mm works and, and I had to say that to myself when I didn't when I was really anxious or when we're you know in despair with children and different things in my life I, I I'd have to say no business as usual we rock on and I used to have this thing I remember um my my, my grandmother had 19 children 12 survived so yeah. she had seven seven that some miscarriages some you know and she got through all of that and I remember she says well you know what you have to just keep going because I remember asking her, like, how, how, how do you get through that? Give me some advice. This was many years ago. I said, that's a very hard thing to get through. She goes, of course, it's upsetting. 
and if and she was the one who used to say, I just don't set up camp there. She says, of course I'm setting up. I think about all you know, seven children, and you know, and uh, some of them I never got to hold. Some of them I did. Some of them were older. And she said, and if I think about it long enough, of course I could be upset here and I'd be in bits. But she said, I just choose not to set up camp there, and I think about the things that do help me. Like the fact that you're here today for dinner. Now, what will you have? You know, and she just switch it like that, mm. you know, and it's amazing. Um, and obviously, but I learned resilience from that. Like if she can get through that, I can get through this. Um, and pers- perspective, gratitude and hope. Incredible things. So I have to say at this point, because it's going through my head. And again, mm. if it's going through mine, it's going through the person listening. Mm. You're so impressive. And I mean it oh, so genuinely. And I'm not trying to make you feel uncomfortable, mm. but I have to say it. Um, I th- I'm so impressed by you. I was when we met before and we spoke, um, but I really feel like the way you speak and how real you are. And I also know from what you said the last time in terms of your anxiety that you could have gone down a very conventional therapy route, but yeah. you, you want to kind of get there on your own terms. Do you know why? Go on. Do you know why? Because I, I knew that there, when you... S- go down the road of you know and and I'm all for whatever helps you get through it sure it's all good by me you know um and I said I just don't want to be in a position where I become reliant on that and never figured it out that I'm reliant on medication or whatever because the GP said to me maybe it wasn't ideal of him to say but look it was a different time mental health wasn't a conversation he said you'll be on these for the rest of your life now so and I said I can't take that and he and it wasn't some people you know and I and I can understand this because I used to think was that my ego not wanting to take the help and it really wasn't. It was really my heart. And I tell you why it was my heart. Because I said, if I can get through this, how many people could I help? Yeah, yeah. Doing something that they said couldn't be done. Mm. Not for an accolade or an award. You don't get an award for it or anything. But it was just, what if I could? And I remember that question. That was what made me, what if you can? Because you know, we always hear those, but what if you don't? I start going, but what if I can? And I used to get the what if, what if, what if. And I used to say, sure, so what? What if I can? Yeah. And I started to kind of take my head into account and yeah, two years and then I got anxiety free, like anxiety free. Like I don't struggle with anxiety. Like I'm in normal anxiety over little things. But oh my goodness now, like it's just unbelievable. Yeah, the worst that's... thing and best thing that ever happened to me, only for the, the because I went through the anxiety thing, mm. it helped me get through the fertility challenge. Mm. Mm. And it's mad the way the worst things that happened to you, ultimately you kind of need them even though you don't want them. Yeah, and they go into the bank, don't they? Weird, so that when it? you hit something difficult again, you at draw least, from it. yeah, you do. And that's what I'd say to people who are probably going through, and I say this in the book too, but people who are going through a really difficult time, think about the last difficult time you got through yeah. and you got through it. So yeah. don't give up. This will be just one of these times that'll be a chapter in your book, but it won't be the end, the final chapter. Because it's hard to see, isn't it? When you're in it, it's very hard to see beyond it. But mm. sometimes you need that. You need a voice to say the likes of what you've yeah. just said now you do. to somebody yeah we all need coaches we all yeah. need you know therapy we all need people um, and it might be your nearest and dearest or whoever but you you do the worst thing to do is try and figure out a problem with the same mindset that probably created the problem you do sometimes need yeah. another perspective to step in and go well it might be look what about this what about that mm. but the main thing is that they understand and have empathy towards how you feel you know everyone's feelings are valid yeah. even if they're not there for the right reasons but that's just something I always think we got to remember because nowadays it's very if you don't agree you're the enemy mm, and yeah. that's just not going to serve anybody yeah you know and the power of questions asking yourself questions because as you said often the voices that we have or the opinions we have about ourselves are actually not ours at all 
Yeah. They were given to us. They were poured in there maybe yeah. by a teacher or 100%. perhaps a parent or somebody. And this narrative is running. It's press play. And wait a second, where did it come from? Is yeah. that even true? Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? When you start to study these statements. And often we can have that in families where you're labeled a certain way in a family. Absolutely. And, and you, you, when really you, important. And you step away from it. And you, am, I, am I really that? Yeah. Am I the golden child or the spoilt one or the... What, am I really? Am I really that? Or, or is that or, just their projection? Yeah. Exactly. Mm. So if you do the zapper and delete, yes. who are you now? Who are you now? And how do you want to be? Because ultimately the pen for your next chapter or next day is, is in your hand. Don't leak, give the pen to someone else. And when we start to live by other people's perspective of who we are or they're projecting onto us or they're telling us we're this way, we're that way, we're putting the pen in their hand and letting them write the book. Mm. Well, this is your book, your story, you write it and whatever they say, if you disagree and it doesn't feel right and your instinct says, no, that's toxic, well then good luck, it's gone. More people will, will hate you for being successful than celebrate you. And mm. I think that's something we don't always realize, you know. So your inner circle probably will be small and that's OK. <laughs> so for someone thinking I don't have many people to reach out to, don't worry, <laughs> it's OK. Yeah. The book is filled. It's not all my stories. It's Each chapter is different people I've worked with over the years. And I've taken from them a pattern that I've always seen because I keep all these notes, never knew what I'd use them for. But I saw this, like I said at the start, this pattern of how people can get unstuck from where they're at and get their breakthrough and want to have a life that's, you know, fulfilled to a degree. And I saw this pattern. So that's why the story is so many different diverse stories. Yeah. But there's a pattern in there that goes through the book and the book kind of takes you step by step. And at the end of each chapter is an exercise you can do for yourself. Very simple, very practical. Because I think everyone deserves to have a breakthrough and no one deserves to get stuck in life. Because more often than not, it's not ourselves that have even put us there. It's because of circumstance or people or mm. parents or peers. Who knows? But we don't want to set up camp there. You know, I think everyone, everyone does deserve to have a life that they can say, I always say, you know, build a life that makes you smile, mm. you know, and it's not that every day is all roses. It won't be. But build a life that you can kind of have that inner peace and go, I'm not struggling because of my past anymore. It's a good place to be if you can get there. But it takes work. Yeah. You love what you do, don't you? I love what I do. I mean, how would you not? I mean, it, you know, it's not that you kind of you come and you bring all the solutions. You don't because the person has to put the work in. I always like, I did rally experience many years ago, right? And I was driving the car for go a day. Away. Go away. For just for a day. All right. And I love cars, you see. I love cars. Okay. That's why the reels are in the car. I love the car. Yeah. But I, I was doing it and the co-driver's there and he was a professional, obviously co-driver and they're in the rally car, the rolls cage and all that. And we're driving. And he says, he says something to me and I'll never forget. He goes, he goes, I can't drive the car for you. So he says, this is not like I have a steering wheel. So he says, you make the moves. He says, I'll just guide you there. But he said this to me and I never forgot this. He said, where you look is where you'll end up though. He said, if you look at a tree to avoid a tree, you'll end up hitting that tree. If you look at the ditch, you'll hit the ditch. He said, you want to look where you want to go. And he says, that's how you drive the car because you're going so fast. You yeah, got to look where yeah, you're. yeah, yeah. So we're driving around. He says, don't look at the ditch, the tree, or, you know, look at where I want to end up in that bend and where I want to come out of that bend or whatever else. And I always remember that. So true for life. Mm. You know, where you look is where you go. How you think about yourself is ultimately who you become. Mm. And it's ultimately defines how you feel. So where are you looking? You know, and who are you and, and, and what's it going to feel like when you get there? And maybe that's the flag in the sand you need to set, as opposed to the flags that have been set by your past or by your present and say, no, that's who I am. That's where I'm going, because where you look is where you go. And it wasn't because he's driving the car, but he's just giving you the kind of, you know, right, turn left, right, drop a brake. He's guiding you there. Yeah. But he can't take credit for driving the car. And I say that about coaching. I'm like the co-driver, but it's you behind the wheel. 
and I can give you all the stuff in the world, but if you do nothing with it, we're going nowhere, you know? So yeah. the person ultimately takes, the person gets the credit, you know? But to be a cog in that story is, is very, that's where I get fulfilled from. And I know that one-on-one -on -one sessions, you don't really have time for them as much Not anymore. so much, no, I do group now. Yeah, group. And also with the book, I suppose this is the great thing. You've now opened yourself up to a whole other audience, as in people can can access your wisdom through the pages of the book now. Yeah. Even if they're not part of a of a, of a group session sure. with you. Um, that was the thing, because a lot of people, you know, I'd work with kind of groups and, you know, some would be therapists, psychologists and coaches. And um, I kind of said, if I can get this book, this will reach more people than I ever will. And then, you know, when I'm gone someday, the book will still be there helping people. And I said, sure, no better thing to do. So I've always wanted to do a book. I'm so delighted for you. And I know it's it's a brilliant book and it's going to help so many people. And thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. You can listen back to previous chats with Mark if you haven't heard them already. And if you like what I do, I'd be so grateful if you could show your support in all the usual ways by clicking follow, giving a little rating or even leaving a comment that should only take about a minute or so. Thank you so much for listening to Ready To Be Real. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.